0: From auto-tune to boy bands to the rise of country pop, this is Pop Dives Deep into some of the most significant moments in pop music history over the past seven decades. The eight-part series is now available streaming on Netflix and features exclusive interviews with artists, producers, songwriters, and superstars, including Shania Twain, Boys to Men, Abba's Benny Anderson, T-Pain, Brandy Carmyle, and Public Enemies Chuck D, as well as many others i'm B. day you're listening to the portland podcast today's guest is series producer amanda Burt of banger films who recounts telling the story of boys to men in the series opener the boys to men effect
1: it's pretty amazing i mean boys to men you know for those of us who remember them the first time around it almost felt like they came out of nowhere with motown philly but then they started chart busting and then they started chart busting themselves and they were huge and everywhere. And you would hear it in on movie soundtracks and at the mall and out of car radios. And then they sort of disappeared. So we look at that um, what happens to a a band when you become like a supernova and you become number one, where do you go from there? And this um, and they're kind of a prime example of that. But also, there's something special about Boys to Men, and we explore it in the episode in two ways. First of all, they're not a boy band, but we say that they are the template for the modern boy band. That boy band sort of look to them and uh, were created in their image. And also, if you see it from the last few years where they've ended up, we see boys to men um, singing the national anthem at football games and then they became the ones that we turned to last year when Kobe Bryant died they opened the grammys with Alicia Keys singing a memorial song to him and then they were at Kobe's memorial singing the national anthem there too so there's something about the feeling that you get when you listen to that band but as you're saying it's nostalgia but it's almost you want to hear that music to know that it's okay to feel sad things and that things will be okay.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Michael Bevins comes across very well in this episode. A very nice
1: guy. He's really, he's amazing. And you can see how the, like as a mover and shaker back then, how he could have with all his energy and smarts that he actually could have made them, I don't know, get as big as they were, but yeah, talking to Michael Bevins was a real trip. He's an amazing guy. And just even his musical pedigree of new edition, Belle de Deveau, you know, those are songs that are the soundtracks to many lives, too. So it was a kind of a thrill to talk to him.
0: Babyface comes across as a very cool guy still. And I love how you shot him with sunglasses and that blue light.
1: Yeah, it was amazing to be in his studio. And yeah, uh, the director, Chelsea McMullen, and uh, Maya Bankovic, um, our DOP, really wanted to create something, an aura around <laughs> Babyface, if you will. <laughs> and yeah, that Mission definitely accomplished. comes across in the... In the episode, but being in his studio, you see it a little bit in the episode, too, that there's this hallway, this hall of fame of of Babyface where it's not just a gold record or platinum record. It's, you know, 20 times platinum for this version of this song. And you look at the people that he worked with, like Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey and Tony Braxton. It was ubiquitous. He's he's the guy. Yeah, Yeah, he dominated the airwaves for a long time.
0: He really was. And Nick Lachey has deep regret. <laughs> Very funny moment with Nick. He has seems to have a, a bit of a sense of humor about it, about his uh, persona back then.
1: Yeah, no, he was, um, I mean, yeah, he's one of the few boy banders that seem to have, I mean, other than people like Justin Timberlake, which, of course, had their own musical life. Post and sync, but uh, with Nick cliche, he you know, he became a television personality. He had his reality shows and he's well, he was just on a reality show. I can't remember what it was called, but he he was really open to us. And the interesting thing for us and the creative team, the writer, the director, everyone that was a part of it is we were trying to tell a different kind of story about Boys to men and explore some ideas about pop music, boy bands, and that era in music that we couldn't find in research. It wasn't in magazine articles. It wasn't in other documentaries. Um, so we just went on our instinct and on the journalism of actually talking to the people that were there. So we didn't go into talking to Nick Lachey thinking he would give us what he gave us and would be that open and vulnerable to us to talk about, yeah, we looked to boys to men and we wanted to sound like them. And our career went like this and theirs went like this. That's not something that you generally get when you're talking to people's managers (laughs) about what, (laughs) uh, you know, will they give us the time? Can we go down to L.A. and shoot with them? You never know what you're going to get. So to have somebody be thoughtful and reflective and actually speak their truth but be open to other truths that could have happened is, I mean, as a documentary maker, that's what you want. It's amazing. Like
0: I also loved as a host, Jay McCarroll, on the Stockholm Syndrome episode. I don't want to give away too much about, about these episodes, but uh, that was a special one. I thought that was beautifully shot, directed by a uh, Jared.
1: Jared Robb. He's uh, Rob. Yeah, he's um, a really amazing uh, director, and you know, an editor, and all sorts of jack of all trades. Um, in his creative world. But I don't know if this show made it down to where you are, but there's a show up here in Canada called Nirvana, the band, the show.
0: I was actually looking at his website and I saw that (laughs) and it's also stars Jay.
1: That's right. So uh, Jared worked on that show and Jay is one of the actors on that show. And it's kind of this absurdist comedy um, with some musical roots. So we, you know, I had approached Jared to be a part of this team, Oh, uh, did. knowing that his that his style was, you know something that I would love to have as a part of this um, music series. And lucky me, he's part of this amazing creative community uh, in terms of graphic design and editing and musical knowledge and comedy that he brought Jay to us. And uh, even though Jay is a well-known musician, he was in a band called Brave Shores, which had some major radio hits, at least up here in Canada. Uh, and he's on that television show but he brought he actually went to music school and brought his musical knowledge and training to us to be able to help us break down some of the uh, melodic um, magic that the Swedes are able to create in the pop realm.
0: And the writer for that uh, that episode he also wrote a book about kids in the hall so that that's a very special episode. I learned a lot about the the Swedish. Uh mentality of not taking credit. It's a fascinating episode. Lots of fun. I, I never realized that uh, Orval Pegg could be so uh, charismatic and fun on camera as a host.
1: He he was a gem and we lucky us again. We, you know, he's Canadian. We didn't know him. He's Canadian? We saw his star. He's, he's Canadian. I didn't know that. And we saw his uh, star starting to rise and we thought, you know, with the country, uh, when Country Meets Pop, with that episode, we are looking at ideas of authenticity and who are the gatekeepers to what is country music, what is pop music. And as we were researching different people that could be part of this uh, episode, A, we found some major superstars. We have you Shania did. Twain, Winona J- Judd, Steve Earle, Booker T. Jones. We have uh, a lot of people in this episode. But with Orville, there was something that was pretty amazing and modern with him, and we thought, well, maybe he would be a part of it. And then we thought, well, maybe he could host it. And I think it was the week after we had him in studio, he suddenly was on uh, in all magazines, yeah, on all up. runways, so quickly. with Diplo, <laughs> all over the New York Times, everywhere. And we're like, oh, thank God we shot that when we did, because I don't know if we could have gotten him. But he was—he um, gave us a lot of time, and he was really involved in that episode. So yeah, we love him.
0: Well, I knew you would at least mention Shania Twain, but I was surprised to see her. She was an absolute superstar, and uh, she really broached the the bridge between pop and country in a way that I don't think has anyone else has. Would you agree with that?
1: I I would totally agree. I mean, I think you know when those um, when Come On Over came out, which I think was ninety seven, and uh, the album before, The Woman and Me, you know. You that know, you Shawnee Twain. <laughs> yeah, she, uh, she. That was a pre-internet age and a different yes. kind of media landscape, right? So you could have these juggernaut artists come in and dominate the airwaves and dominate the story, because really, how you'd be doing journalism is it might be radio play and there'd be magazine articles and newspaper articles, but it wasn't on Instagram or TikTok or everywhere all the time, and it wasn't um, atomized, so you could have all these different people. So she came in at a time, an amazing musician, an amazing producer, an incredible songwriter. But she went through this system and became this huge star in a style of music that at once was familiar and at once was brand new. And so, you know, she talks about in the episode, the flack that she got, not (laughs) towing the Nashville line um, and in the country world, like, is she country enough? But I think what I found talking to all these different artists across the series, and not just in the country episode, that people don't give the listener enough credit. There's a lot of industry people that try to figure out what would people like. But generally, it's the people that decide what is big and what isn't. So Shania, yeah, she was really open with us, and she talked about the hardship and about the great times. But she really, she was a pioneer, and nobody has reached... Her heights. I think Taylor Swift looked at how Shanaya crossed over, and that she took some lessons from that. But still, I don't think anybody has the lasting legacy that Shanaya does in that in that realm.
0: I got to tell you, I loved the Auto Tune episode. I think this was very innovative to actually cover this topic as an episode, and I think it really shined. And T Pain is such a nice dude; you can't help but feel for the guy. It was a very emotional episode.
1: Yeah, it's feel for him, but, you know, he's a very quiet, gentle, kind man, which is mm-hmm. not Comes what across. I thought. <laughs> Comes across, <laughs> Going yes. Into this. Right. And, uh, but he's, you know, he's a real musician. He's been playing around with beats and ideas and working, you know, since he was a kid in his bedroom trying to figure this out. So, you know, I don't think fame is natural for anyone. For some people, it totally changes their personalities. For some people... Uh, it destroys them and for some people they can handle it. And with T-Pain, everybody knows his name and for a long time everybody knew his sound but maybe couldn't, didn't know who he was. And I feel with this episode, I'm really excited for people to know him better because you see somebody um, who figures out a technique or a style or it was really a hook in so many songs for so long. But that came from somewhere and it's not just... um, you know, a party trick. This is somebody trying to express themselves musically for many reasons. And we, you know, we get into that there, but it's fascinating to hear him tell it.
0: The only episode I didn't get to see was uh, the one with Chuck D. Now I'm curious uh, what I missed. And uh, could you touch on that episode for us?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's uh, that, you know, around the office, we called that our protest episode. And the title of the episode is, What Can a Song Do?, uh, the director was Lisa Rideout, who's an incredible uh, documentary filmmaker um, that we brought in for this. And what we were looking at is the idea of when a, when a protest song goes mainstream, does that hurt or hinder the message? And what is the role of the artist in actually putting out music? How important is it to have a message? So we looked at, you know, we, we weren't, didn't want to do a survey, but we spoke to many different artists from many different genres who would have created music that would be speaking to the now. So we spoke to Chuck D. We spoke to Arlo Guthrie, uh, who (laughs) was absolutely amazing, talking about his dad, Woody Guthrie. Um, We spoke to the English singer-songwriter, Billy Bragg, and he, in turn, spoke about his own work, but also spoke about how he became um, politicized and understood that you have to do something by listening as a child to Motown compilations that made their way over to England from the States, so that he wasn't, he didn't grow up in a political family, but that by hearing music about the civil rights movement and the needing to do something, he realized that music was a powerful tool, and that's why he is now such a big name in that realm um, in the UK.
0: I'd like to learn a bit more about the genesis of, of how this series begun. You started out with the question, what is pop and you found answers that you never expected. That's a direct quote from you. <laughs> By the way, this series, I, I really loved the direction that each episode took because it was a diverse sort of, under your oversight, of course, but it was a diverse set of directors using their vision. You gave them the autonomy to do that. But you must have learned something throughout this experience.
1: Oh, completely. So, yeah, it you know, one of the reasons that we wanted to have different directors um, creating the different episodes and we saw these episodes as mini mini films in themselves
0: because pop
1: music itself sounds completely different from year to year, from week to week, really. Um, So pop music comes in many forms and in many uh, sounds and styles. So why wouldn't our series reflect that? And so it it was interesting because, you know, when you're starting a brand new show and it's called, this is pop, You have a bit of a vast ocean in front of you. Like, how do you start? (laughs) What uh, stories are you going to tell? How are you going to tell them and who's going to be a part of it? So, you know, it took us a while to narrow it down to the eight major stories that we um, divided up over the series. But what we realized was two things. We wanted for the first season, um, and hopefully we have many more seasons to come, that we wanted to at least look at the breadth of pop music in the time that we feel like pop music has been around. So we looked at the late fifties as a starting point. That was maybe with the rise of the teenager, we had an episode called uh, the Brill building in four songs. So that was really looking at that era of late fifties, early sixties pop music um, and how that changed the industry. And then how that got changed again by other forces in the music industry. And we brought it right up to today um, with a bunch of different episodes, as you mentioned, Auto-Tune, the Swedish super producers, and Stockholm Syndrome. Those are people like The Weeknd. You know, they he has a Swedish production team creating all those mega hits. Oh, I didn't know has. that. So,
0: My goodness. And,
1: you know, we speak to uh, a musician producer in there named Ludwig Gornson, who is an incredible uh, producer, but he also did the music for Black Panther, And he's one half of Childish Gambino. So, you know, we're trying to talk about music. What do they call it?
0: Janteloyen? No bragging? Part of the Swedish mentality of uh, just not
1: bragging. Yeah. (laughs) Janteloyen. Isn't that amazing? And it's, you know, there are a lot of Canadian, you know, I'm Canadian. And so there's a lot of Canadian creatives on this too. And there's something about talking to the Swedes. And, you know, we spoke to a lot of Americans too. And of course, this is coming out on Netflix. But the, we Canadians, like, we can really uh, relate to the Swedish people. Like, just, you know, be good, be amazing, but maybe just be chill and, and do your thing and let other people shine. So, yeah, we got a real kick out of that. But in terms of the question of um, what is pop, we started asking that across every, you know, every director was asking, every interviewer. We asked that of maybe not every interviewee, but most of them. And it was fascinating to hear the different answers that we would get. Some of them were saying, well, you know, it's popular music, whatever popular music of the day is. Benny from ABBA, who was in our Swedish episode, was like, pop music is what makes young women dance. And if you can figure that out, then you've figured out pop music. And other people would say, you know, it's the story. It's a time machine. It's a story of what's happening now, reflected in song. And it'll change as the days and the weeks and the months go by. And so it's fascinating for us, especially because I don't feel like pop music has had it to do in terms of documentary treatment. We, we do have concert films. Um, there are all the right. shows to, to look at, you know, pop stars and what they're doing and maybe behind the scenes, but actually taking a scholarly look at the themes and the issues that emerge That's something that's brand new and I, you know, I think there's lots of reasons for that up till now, but I'm excited to start the conversation with this series and I know that there's Literally millions of other stories that we can pick up.
0: Right. When it's slickly produced, too. I love the animated photos. And uh, documentaries have come a long way. And these are very watchable, great narratives throughout. It's a very enjoyable series. I'm really looking forward to, to more. I- I'm curious about your background, Amanda. How did you end up with
1: Banger Films? Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. I, uh, I moved over to Bangor Films to do this series. Uh, but my previous work, I was I worked in music videos for a long time, mm-hmm. and I worked as a journalist um, at NBC, which is uh, you know our big national broadcaster here. Mm-hmm. So I really combined my love of music and my love of news, and really digging into something. It's. One thing to say the story that's always been out there, it's another thing to take that as a starting point and then to actually go out and find the story. So in terms of music journalism, I was able to bring on uh, amazing music writers and journalists to help research and write this entire series. And then combined with really strong visual creators of the directors and everyone in the creative and post departments. Yeah, we really feel that these documents are true pieces of journalism, but also very, very watchable um, music documentaries.
0: Yeah, yeah, it feels very modern. It feels as if uh, its time has come. I mean, shows about autotune and, uh, you know, the effect of the Swedish songwriters, producers, writers, the music scene, and how it affects us globally. Fascinating stuff. And I remember Ace of Base being so globally big. I was stationed in South Korea when they hit, and they were a global sensation, all over the world. So it's a great series. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it, Amanda. June 22nd, you can watch the entire series. This is Pop from Banger Films. Hope to see more. Hope to hear more from Banger Films in the future. And I really appreciate you taking the time today.
1: Yeah, no, I really appreciate it, too. I hope people enjoy it, and uh, it's been really great
0: talking to you. You, too. All right, cheers.
1: Okay, bye.
0: And thank you for listening to the Portland Podcast. I'm your host, Gregory Day. If you'd like to contact me directly, you can reach me at greg at com. We'll be back with a brand new episode very shortly. See you then.